Proresilience and the Future of IoT Security, GDPR's over-notification problem, and Spartacus as a service. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Last week at the RSA conference, one of the interviews that stood out was with Summer Craze Fowler, Chief Security Officer of Argo AI, a company that's working on building the future of safe driving autonomous vehicles. Summer was doing a session at the conference on Prosilience, a word I'd never come across. So I asked her to define it and how it relates to the future of IoT. Here's Summer. Prosilience is really proactive resilience. I spent a long time at Carnegie Mellon University with the CERT program uh, uh, researching and looking at the concept of how an organization or a system can be made resilient. And what that means is how can I operate before, during, and after a disruptive event, such as a cyber attack, such as a hurricane, anything that can disrupt the operations of an organization or a system. And then also you want that organization or system to be able to return to a normal operating condition afterwards. That's the concept of resilience. What we really want to do is now take the, the concepts behind the interconnectedness of you know, the Internet of Things and all of the new technology that we have. We spend a lot of time talking about how, how bad it's going to be, right? And how all of there are all of these risks and additional attack surfaces. Mm. I really want to turn that around and say, with all of this interconnectedness, can I move from a concept of resilience to being proactively resilient? where perhaps I sense the things that are around me, yeah. I can shift the, the security posture of my organization or my system, and then I can be prepared for something and avoid it or stop it before it ever happens. A very quick example of this is, yeah. <laughs> is an umbrella. So let's say you, you know, today you wake up and you hear, okay, it might rain today. Mm -hmm. So you pack an umbrella and you put it in your car and you're walking along down the street, you, you take the umbrella with you, hopefully, I always forget mine, but you're walking down the street and then all of a sudden it starts pouring down rain, you're getting wet and you reach in your bag and you open up your umbrella. So you're being resilient, you've had an umbrella with you. In a prosilient world, what you really want to do are take the clues that are around you. You want to be able to sense the fact that there is a barometric pressure change. You know, see the clouds that are coming in. Okay. Know that you have everything, and you want to open that umbrella before the first drop hits you. So it's a very, very basic idea and concept in terms of using the umbrella, right. but I want to change that to the interconnectedness and make sure that our organizations can handle things in advance by taking advantage of, of IoT. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. GDPR was a big topic last year, and a year on, we're starting to see some penalties coming down the pipe. However, there's been something of another issue caused by GDPR in Europe, over-notification. Here's ISMG's executive editor, Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz, with more. The EU's tough new privacy law went into full effect on May 25, 2018. Since then, the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, has reshaped our notions of data breaches in Europe. In part, that's because under GDPR, all organizations that suffer a serious breach involving Europeans' personal data must notify authorities and oftentimes also breach victims. But there have been some teething pains. 
what we're seeing at the moment is maybe the tendency to over-notify that companies are probably a bit cautious that they don't want to be seen to be in breach. So therefore, they'll err on the side of caution and will notify their supervisory authority about a breach, even though it may not actually go above the, the breach requirements. That's Brian Honan, president of BH Consulting in Ireland. His firm has been helping organizations get and keep a plan in place to ensure they comply with GDPR. Regulatory agencies, however, have said that too many firms are notifying regulators about breaches that don't meet the notification threshold. Under GDPR, firms must provide extensive details about a breach, including what happened and what was stolen within 72 hours of learning about it. Less than one year after GDPR has gone into effect, however, many firms appear to be erring on the side of caution. A few key things to remember is GDPR is a risk-based regulation. So you as an organization have to decide what is your risk tolerance and how you're going to manage and handle that, that risk. So when it comes to a breach notification, many are erring on, on the side of caution and saying, okay, yeah, it's a risk-based approach, but we'd rather report just in case that we're, we're found further down the road not to have notified properly. How can organizations tell what types of security incidents or breaches merit notification? Honan says there's a free guide for that. So what we recommend to a lot of companies is that uh, the European Agency for Network and Information Security, ENISA, website's www.enisa.eu, they have a guide and a methodology for how you determine the impact of a data breach and how you can determine whether or not you should report it. So it's actually quite good. It's very, it goes through the type of data that may have been exposed in the breach, uh, how the breach happened, the volume of the breach, was it an accidental breach or was it a malicious breach? And based on all those variations, you can come up and sort of say, yeah, here's a level that we're, we're either above or below. And if, if above that, we, we should report. If below that, we don't need to report. Just because an organization doesn't notify regulators, however, does not mean that it is off the hook. Organizations also need to keep extensive records on any security incidents they suffer, not least in case they later get audited by privacy watchdogs. Even if you don't report the breach to your supervisory authority, you need to keep a record of all breaches. So even those that don't go over the threshold, you need to keep a record of those as well for later investigation if needs be. Because you could be having a whole lot of minor breaches, you know, that could over a period of time maybe indicate a pattern or could be indicative of poor security or poor controls in place, but never result in a major breach that you have to report it to the supervisory authority. But if you have an audit or indeed yourself, you go and review your logs, you can, you can then sort of say, well, hang on, we have a pattern here. We need to do more awareness training or we need to put additional controls in place to protect ourselves. So that's why you need to keep your own measure as well. Privacy watchdogs have said that GDPR is not meant to be punitive. Rather, they want to see organizations doing the right thing, including practicing transparency and accountability when it comes to protecting the personal data entrusted to them by individuals. Of course, it's up to organizations to continue to refine their ability to do the right thing, as well as to prove it to regulators. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. While on the subject of GDPR, a core component of the regulation is the right to be forgotten. I spoke with Mike Kaiser, Global Strategist and Evangelist in the office of the CTO for SailPoint. Mike intrigued me with a new take on the acronym SAS. Not software as a service this time, 
but Spartacus as a service. Here's Mike to explain. Well, the right to be forgotten is fairly well known as part of the GDPR, privacy legislation. And Spartacus, I'm drawing from what I consider to be the canonical film of Spartacus' story. Uh, Spartacus was a ancient Roman gladiator who escaped from the gladiatorial school he was involved in and subsequently led a slave rebellion. After some great success um, defeating several Roman generals, he and his entire uh, slave army was captured. They were all told that they were all going to die unless any single one of them stood up and identified the real Spartacus. Uh, for those of you familiar with the, the Kirk Douglas vehicle from the 1960s, uh, his, com his uh, camaraderate stood up and said, I am Spartacus. And then another soldier stood up and said, I am Spartacus. And soon the entire army was saying that they were Spartacus. Uh, spoiler alert, they all died. But in that moment, his privacy was preserved, and it was preserved through obscurity. Got it. And so what I find is that users today of internet applications um, find themselves in the same spot. What they want is privacy, um, and they're not really able to get it. And so what I'm proposing is uh, kind of a concept of privacy through obscurity. Okay. So let's talk about, obviously, there's a patchwork of global privacy regulations out there. So what does this exercise prove about the unharmonic convergence of global privacy regulations? Right. Well, the discussion, you know, as I mentioned the GDPR before, people assume that there are privacy laws in mm. place to ensure that if they delete their account and their information <laughs> from online applications and enterprises, that that information will go away. Right. Um, while the GDPR does have the right to erasure, privacy regulation worldwide is very uneven. There are 118, 120 countries with national privacy laws. Mm -hmm. Another 30 or 40 are developing them. And then there are about 50 that have none, including Afghanistan, China, and quite frankly, the United States. Right. Yeah. So it, it, because it's so uneven, uh, there's no ability to rely on that legislation to enable people mm. to, to withdraw their information. Okay. So from, from an enterprise standpoint, looking at you know, consumers and their trust of enterprises, what have you found about consumers' general sort of mistrust of entities like enterprises with their information, particularly around privacy? Sure. Well, one of the reasons I love talking about this concept yeah. is that to a person, I've not had anyone, whether they are technologically oriented or your average person on the street, who didn't say, oh, right, I, I expect my information will be out there forever. Um, and so there's a built-in mistrust. And I think that going forward throughout the next couple of years, I think we're going to see privacy rise up as a value, even as individuals assume that they control their own identity and their yeah. own information. I think they're going to see privacy as a value for that and one they seek out with enterprises. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. The music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.